This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 466 of the Yellow World Pods. I'm your host, Stefan Botsko, and today we'll talk about the scoreless draw away to Heidenheim and we will preview Friday's game against SC Freiburg. For all that and more, joins me Lars Perlmann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, not too bad, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, doing swell. Uh, looking uh, forward to discussing a lot of things with you, uh, including of course uh, the step forward according to Sebastian Kiel. Not a large step, but also not a step backward, uh, according to the sporting director, with a scoreless draw against Heidenheim. Now, Lars, I obviously don't want to waste a lot of time on this game because uh, it does not deserve much of our time. However, uh, what was that all about and why does the sporting director have a very interesting sense of reality? I mean, the the really interesting part is that I thought Edin Terzic was quite negative um you know for for his standards because quite often he tends to try to look for positives in a, in in even a disappointing game and uh this time he didn't really do that i mean terzic one could argue he threw some players under the bus without naming him naming them because he talked about players who were basically complaining because of a lack of playing time over the last few weeks and months uh getting a chance and not using it so will have applied probably to someone like Yusufa Mokoko, uh, maybe Meunier and, uh, and a couple of others, uh, Özcan, for example. Um, yeah, and, and then the sporting director turns around and says, well, that wasn't so bad, actually. I mean, <laughs> I don't really have an explanation. I don't understand the disconnect there. I'm definitely more in uh, Terzic's camp. I think long-time listeners know that my glasses tend to be half empty instead of half full. And uh, I, I, I just don't get what what Kale was trying to to argue there. I mean, I guess a a draw at Heidenheim after winning three games, uh, the start into the new calendar year is still good. I think ten points out of those four games, we would have signed up for that, and especially with three of those games coming away from home and in a vacuum, a draw at Heidenheim on a Friday evening. Uh, it's not the the end of the world in terms of results, but the performance being so drab, uh, I I don't get why Kale felt the need to be Mister Positive. Yeah, uh, neither do I, and I I really was scratching my head. I was actually double checking uh, if this quote was even real when I first read it. You know, because I think I I read on like the BVB news blog or so, and sometimes this site gets spoofed. <laughs> where they like turn the L into a large I or something. Anyway, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a weird, irritating comment if I'm uh, honest. And of course, it was also a weird, irritating performance. I think uh, it's safe to say that uh, Heidenheim uh, can be kicking themselves for not winning the game, especially in the end when they had uh, very good chances. Of course, Donny Mild scored, and he was marginally offside. Uh, obviously, if Dortmund go ahead in this game. Uh, the chances of them winning it might be higher, but who knows? 
if that's actually true. Um, either way, uh, very uninspiring substitutions toward the end also did not really help matters, uh, whether it was Benzabaini or uh, Ole Pullman or so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, didn't really catalyst anything, uh, to be honest. I once again have to say I think Niklas Süle currently is doing not great when it comes to build-up play. Uh, that is very worrying, especially when you have a, a, a right-back um, that also doesn't really uh, <laughs> know how to uh, dribble or pass out of pressure. But uh, yeah, Thomas Meunier, I think we can jump to the next uh, topic while your fridge turns on last uh uh, has been cutted off to Trabzonspor and Dortmund do not receive a transfer fee, uh, but they are saving 4 million euros of the remaining salary that they otherwise would have had to pay to the Belgian international. Uh, Lars, I think Riasson is, is back in training. Is this a good move for Dortmund or would they be lacking depth on the right wing position considering how injury prone their fullbacks are? I mean, given the fact that Meunier has started the last seven uh, Bundesliga games, I'm, I am somewhat surprised that they would let him go. Um, but as you alluded to, Riazon is back in team training. He didn't have, you know, the typical Dortmund muscular injury or whatever. It was kind of a freakish accident uh, at the end of the Stuttgart Cup game. So, uh, and, and he's not known to be particularly injury prone. Uh, so, there's a reasonable expectation that Riasson can go the rest of the season relatively unhindered. Um, Marius Wolf had some issues with illness um, in the winter break, which is why he had a bit of uh, catch-up to do in terms of being ready to play. But um, at Heidenheim, I think he played his first 30 or so minutes off the bench, uh, replacing Meunier. So I think those two are, can be penciled in for the rest of the season, then if push comes to shove, you can also uh, push Zula out wide. That has happened and he actually looked quite good there at times uh, already in his Dortmund career. You still have Matteo Morey, um, who's apparently had another setback of some kind, um, you know, since the winter break, uh, which was reported, I think, by Ruhnerichten. Hasn't really been made public by Dortmund, which, uh, as we said last week, isn't necessarily a surprise. Um, yeah, I think there's enough personnel to get by without Meunier. Um, and, and especially given how much they can save. I mean, I, I kind of doubt the the 4 million number because it's not actually six months um, that they are uh, now saving, but let it be three and a half million. It's, I think that's still something you take, um, given that Assuming Riasson and Wolf are ready to go for the rest of the season, you would quite possibly be looking at Meunier not making the matchday squad sometimes. And given that he was definitely not getting a new contract in the summer, um, I think they also kind of accommodated him because he must have gotten a fairly significant contract offer from Tabsonspor. Uh, because quite frankly, most players are better off moving as free agents in the summer than moving, you know, late in the window or even the, the most most transfer windows in Europe aren't even open anymore. I think you can go to uh, Austria and Turkey and Sweden and like Romania, Croatia, but none of the, the big, big leagues right now. So usually you'd be better off not, not moving at this point. So 
I'm assuming he got a decent contract offer there. Don't know how long it is, but still. Um, and yeah, ultimately, I think Meunier goes down as one of the more disappointing signings they've made. Uh, obviously, one can argue whether or not he actually exceeded expectations or failed to meet them, because I think quite a few play uh, people were, um, you know, not necessarily sure that he he'd be the the right fit, um, you know, to succeed Lukas Piszczek, and ultimately they've tried in a number and of Hakimi, yeah, and Hakimi, and and they've they've obviously tried to. Uh, remedy that with a, a few signings now, and I think the the prospect of Martin and Rialson for the rest of the season is quite good. And then we have to wait and see what happens in the summer with Martin, whether Rialson has to be shifted back to the left because Benzabaini is not good enough. Maybe they sign a right back, so that's all um, you know to be determined. But I think Meunier wasn't going to feature in their future plans, and ultimately, if you can spend. However much it is now for five months, that's ultimately uh, business well done, I suppose. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm also semi-glad that uh, Meunier is gone, to be honest, because, uh, yeah. Uh, <sighs> as, as I said before, he he definitely would be helpful for Dortmund, but it's also not like that he is going to be a, a player that really uh, helps Dortmund in the long term. He is a short-term Gap player, and uh, as he said, it was not a good piece of transfer business by Dortmund overall. So we're glad this is over. And uh, yeah, people obviously on Twitter think today plopped up uh, talking about Dortmund being in a transitional season, um, where they are always in a transitional season. So last, uh, maybe final question on that subject: um, if Dortmund uh, uh, go into the next season. The way they're set up now, do you think uh, they need to look out for a uh, number one right back, or do you think that Rioson can assume that uh, position on a, on the long term, or do you think Dortmund actually need an upgrade over Rioson if they, uh, you know, want to be the ambitious club that they uh, <laughs> are apparently? When you say current setup, does that include Martin or not? Yes, I would say Madsen is uh, included in that because uh, otherwise we, we might have to think about Riasson on playing on the left because Benzabaini, of course, is uh, too many mini 2.0 when it comes to misunderstandings and fullback uh, <laughs> transfers. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go that far with Benzabaini, but assuming... I, I am. I'm, I'm just... I'm yeah, just I, I know you don't uh, appreciate uh, the transfer so far, and I think it's definitely... Uh, been a disappointing return, but I still think that Ben Savarini has shown more in his time before Dortmund than Meunier ever did. I think if Meunier hadn't been at uh, PSG ahead of siding for Dortmund, he probably wouldn't have been on the radar. I mean, it's not like he uh, had years of production in the Bundesliga like uh, Ben Savarini had. So. But uh, going back to your question, uh, I'm kind of iffy uh, on on Riazon's long-term prospects. I think he's definitely a, a valuable player to have just because of versatility and you kind of know what you're getting with him because it's uh, he's more of an effort player. I think it's fair to say than you know ne necessarily the best uh, football player or you know technique-wise and, and all that. He's not necessarily up to the highest of standards, but I think uh, a club of Dortmund size can afford to have some of those guys, even in the first 11. Um, going back to 
more successful periods of Dortmund's uh, recent past. You know, you always had the the, the role players. Uh, even uh, if maybe I'm making myself unpopular now, but I would argue that Lukas Piszczek probably was more of an effort player than, you know, pure quality, at least most of his career. And they were definitely fine with him at right back for a number of years. Ultimately, I think uh, it's fairly safe to assume that after Meunier, uh, also Marius Wolf is going to leave. Matteo Murray cannot be seriously considered a first team player right now. So they will have to sign right back in the summer unless uh, Wolf has an amazing end of the season and earns another contract, which I think is kind I of doubtful. Yeah. I don't see it. Uh, so they, they will probably have to sign a right back and I would hope that it's um, someone with a higher ceiling than Riazon, perhaps, but also someone that wouldn't be uh, necessarily opposed to being considered the second option going into the season. So ultimately, I would like for them to go for, let's say, a 19, 20-year-old talented player who needs to learn the ropes a bit behind Riazon, can spell him and maybe overtake him at the end of his first season or a little bit later down the road. Do you think a right-footed Ian Martin would be enough or do you need some some different, uh, let's say, archetype to uh, counteract whatever Ian Martin is? <laughs> if that I makes mean, sense. I mean, I don't, don't necessarily know if any of the big clubs in Europe have two, uh, let's say, ball-playing or, you know, midfield-drifting or whatever uh, fullbacks. I mean, the closest might be Liverpool when when Robertson and uh, Alexander Arnold are playing, but I, I mean, Robertson hasn't been shifted into midfield as much or ever, I think. Uh, whereas Alexander Arnold is basically a midfielder, especially for England these days. Um, so yeah, I, I I think for whatever reasons, uh, teams seem to be reluctant to uh, mirror, as it were, you know, having one technically proficient fullback with another on the other side, even at At Dortmund, there was when when Guerrero was playing on the left, you usually had one on the right who was a bit more conservative, I suppose, or you know, more defensively minded or whatever. So I think there must be some reason for that. So I would assume that if they can keep Martin, which is obviously a fairly big question mark, I think someone like Riazon, who isn't uh, totally inept going forward, but is still more defensive minded and solid in in duels and and backtracking and all that, I think that would probably be preferable for them. But as I said, I think we are kind of uh, making a big assumption if we say that Martin is definitely going to stay because the 35 million euro um, release clause he has in his new Chelsea contract, that is probably going to be a bit rich for Dortmund next summer, considering they will have a number of holes to fill. Yeah, it's not only that, but I, I assume that uh, ben, ben Subaini is also earning wages of the first choice uh, left back and uh, it's not that easy that you just put someone in front of him and can then argue about uh, paying all this kind of money without um, shipping him off and, and clearing off him of the books, if you will, first. So I think this is also something to consider, um, which is why I my my belief in, in either Sancho or Martin being retained to... Uh, Uh, past this season are very low to be honest um, likewise uh, Lars currently Mats Hummels and uh, also Marco Royce I think are in negotiations with the club um, about a potential contract renewal 
Um, quick check-in with you. Would you renew both contracts, just one or neither? Well, first of all, um, Royce, as far as we know, isn't actually in talks or negotiations with them. Only Hummels is. Uh, actually, on Wednesday, the day we are recording this, there was a report that uh, Hummels and his father were meeting with Kale in uh, Dortmund's uh, offices. Yeah, there was a picture of Hummels' dad, yeah. too, so I guess that's confirmed. Yeah. Um, Marco Royce's dad did not show up. I don't actually know if I've <laughs> ever seen Marco Royce's father, now that you mention it. <laughs> I don't think I have either. Um, no, I think it's fair to say that they want to keep Hummels, but he will decide, and I don't think it's going to come particularly soon, um, whether to actually keep playing, because he's... Um, 35, I think, uh, or going to be 35 at the end of the... No, I'm going to be 30. So he must be 36 at the end of the year, <laughs> um, which is an absolute depressing thought. Um, yeah, there, there are very few players still uh, young, uh, older than us yeah. <laughs> on the team. Um, God damn it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of banking on Hummels not wanting to quit. I mean, he, he got back into the uh, German national team, so he's definitely still got the quality he was amazing in the Champions League this season uh, so I think he's still got lots to give and they would be uh, quite stupid not to take him up on another year if he wants to uh, the reporting on Royce is quite different there seems to be a consensus among you know club reporters and, and all that that he's probably not going to be offered a contract extension outright um, because he's on two high wages apparently Blocking the development of younger players who like I, who yeah I don't I don't necessarily know whom people might be speaking about especially now that Reyna's gone and apparently Reyna has been loaned out uh, with a view to uh, rehabilitate his market value ahead of a sale in the summer instead of coming back uh, that's the uh, reading of tea leaves as it were uh, in Germany right now. So um, it seems like Royce is not going to get a contract offer. Uh, whether he would take them up on it, I don't know, because uh, I think he's been quite unhappy uh, with both, you know, playing time at times this season uh, and, and also all the talks about him, you know, being a rebel inside the, uh, the locker room and him being an instigator of uh, internal criticism against Terzic now that he's denied the allegations. But I don't know whether he'd be up for another season of, of that stuff. And all the talk about him is always going to be, you know, former captain gave up the armband. Is he just coasting towards the end of his career? Or is he actually uh, trying to accomplish something great at the end of his career or whatever? So my prediction right now would be that Hummels gets another contract and Royce probably goes to the United States or whatever. Yeah, uh, although I would not be surprised if Hummels also leaves for the MLS at the end of the season. I don't know what his uh, decision-making process is, but I think he's considering it. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Either either way, I think uh, it, that would be definitely a new era for Dortmund um, if those two players leave one way or another, just because uh, they have been such cornerstones for the black and yellows for so long. Um, yeah, we'll obviously keep an eye on it. Uh, maybe I should also mention, because I didn't do it last episode, that uh, Julian Reikhoff 
Dortmund's under 19 striker has joined Ajax Amsterdam. So uh, he, I think, joined uh, Dortmund from Ajax, yep. if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Um, before and uh, yeah, uh, obviously uh, Dortmund had high hopes on him, but the fact that he is now uh, <laughs> back at Ajax uh, means that uh, things did not work out quite well. And I should also mention that uh, Henry Blanc, who of course uh, moved to Salzburg uh, for a fee between six and seven million, uh, has a buyback buyback clause in his contract for twelve million euros, according to reports. So um, yeah. That of course uh, is is good to have for Dortmund if he indeed um, has uh, a good development uh, over in Austria. And other than that, uh, all I have left to say is that Dortmund play Freiburg on Friday, and uh, after the scoreless draw uh, away to Heidenheim, I'm hoping that this Friday night game will be somewhat more interesting against a, a team that uh, yeah is somewhat uh, in the middle of the Bundesliga table right now. Uh, Freiburg uh, are a team that uh, make it difficult for anyone, I would say, uh, they play, but uh, currently they are not... Uh, um, yeah. I I don't know. I think I think they are, they're, they're an okay team. I mean, they're in seventh place uh, with uh, eight wins and four draws and eight losses, uh, but it, it just feels like they are somewhere uh, more in the midfield than really in the race for the European spots. Uh, if that makes sense. Uh, obviously, they are not far off Frankfurt. They have uh, 28 points, while Frankfurt have 31 points. But uh, I don't know. It just feels quality-wise, there's just such a gulf between uh, Freiburg and Frankfurt. Uh, I'm I'm just not seeing Freiburg uh, uh, getting up any higher, even though Frankfurt somehow miraculously lost to to Köln, which is something I certainly did not predict. Um, but Lars, what can we expect on Friday night uh, from uh, this game, uh, maybe I should preface this by saying that I think back in team training are Gregor Kobel, Marco Reus, Julian Brandt, and who did I forget? Riasson yeah. Adiemi. Riasson, oh wow, Adiemi too, that's good. Uh, I don't know if they'll be ready to play already on Friday, but uh, at least there's hope that uh, some players will return and we will have a little bit more depth and creativity uh, in the starting lineup. Anyway, last, what yeah. can I expect? I mean, the thing is, um, I would agree with you that Freiburg kind of seemed to have a middling squad and middling season, which they will never take for granted because uh, there's there's no natural law that says SC Freiburg has to be among the top eight or so clubs in Germany. I think that's still something they will consider an achievement at the end of the year, especially considering they... Um, are playing in the Europa League, I think, and I think they also made the uh, the the eliminatory round before the knockout stages. Um, I don't necessarily remember whom they are facing there, but they are playing Lens. Loss, yeah, Lens. Loss. Lens. Lens. Jemann. I'm just being. I knew I, I knew I was gonna butcher it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Freiburg, I think on the weekend they lost against Stuttgart. They were down two goals before I even turned the the simulcast on um, because I was fixing my lunch. <laughs> um, and they were already two goals down. Then they had um, Merlin Röhl, kind of a shooting star in, in midfield, uh, sent off for a uh, stamp, basically. I mean, it was 
wasn't deliberate. It was uh, quite unfortunate for the young guy, but um, he's been suspended for the next two games. So he's out Good. against Dortmund. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like Freiburg, we could probably uh, cut in what we said about them the last time they faced at Dortmund and most of the stuff would still apply because obviously they still have Christian Streich as head coach um, and they are always going to be roughly the same team, I would suppose. Um, you know, someone not easy to push over, um, you know, good at set pieces from Grifo. They are very well organized because they they have so much consistency in, in all areas of their sporting development. But I don't necessarily remember the last time they really troubled Dortmund uh, in Dortmund. I think um, the, the meeting last season, Dortmund came back in the second half and kind of stomped them. It was 5-1 uh, the last two games in Dortmund. Yeah. And then 4 nothing, and then one nothing. Yeah, and, and the, the last time they met at Freiburg was very early last season when Dortmund looked to be on their typical early season slump and then... Um, Bino Gittens, Mukoko and Wolf scored off the bench or something like that or were involved yes. in goals off the bench so I think there was a stat for a long time that uh, Christian Streich had never beaten Dortmund and then he won two games in a row or something like that but I think as you just now said the last few games have swung back in Dortmund's favor and ultimately this is one of them where you know who the opponent is uh, not only <laughs> knowing the name but you know what, what Freiburg stand for but if that's a big problem for you at home at this point of the season on the back of a decent start to the calendar year, then you have real issues. And I suppose they do because we have talked at length in the last few episodes about their build-up play and uh, sp uh, holes in spaces where you shouldn't have holes. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the return of Brandt Orreus just because this two-striker formation does not work for Dortmund in, in both in an attacking sense and in defensive transition. So having one of those guys back would already be uh, quite big. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, also, I'm not a big guy uh, on, on the whole 4-4-2 setup. I don't think it really helps Dortmund or uh, caters to their strengths. Um, so, um, yeah, I also do expect Mokoku being dropped. Uh, to be honest, just because uh, of the comments Terzic had and just the way he played against uh, Heidenheim. He looked very out of place, to be honest. And uh, yeah, that was just certainly not a good game from him. And I would totally understand if Terzic drops him again after this. So um, yeah, uh, I'll be honest, I, I would appreciate if uh, Mats Hummels returns to the starting lineup. Uh, he should be fit enough because Niklas Zule has had too many blunders and in recent games that uh, nearly cost Dortmund dearly. And uh, so I, I, I think uh, <laughs> it's time to to bring Hummels back. I think Nico Schlotterbeck currently is in, actually in, in pretty good form. And uh, considering he's playing against his former team, um, that should be some extra motivation, as, uh, as it usually is for a guy like him. So, um, yeah, I do expect Dortmund to win this, if I'm honest. Uh, but... Uh, that doesn't mean, of course, that they will, <laughs> unfortunately. But Lars, uh, I do, I do believe that uh, maybe if you have Emre Can back, uh, maybe even as a holding midfielder, um, there should be uh, a bit more finesse than uh, with Özcan, uh, who also did not look great recently. And uh, Freiburg, usually the way they play, um, makes things a little bit easier for Dortmund as well. Uh, I don't expect them to be as well organized as Heidenheim 
were and uh, Dortmund will probably get a little bit more space to play vertically. So all in all, um, it, it should be a more entertaining game, I hope, than the scoreless draw against uh, Heidenheim. And with that, um, I think it's pretty much time to end the show. Do you have any uh, final thoughts? Because uh, I need to get out of here soon. I think we would be remiss not to at least mention once how incredibly rare goalless draws for Dortmund are these days in the Bundesliga. That is true. Because the last one uh, was, I think, November, October 2019, so uh, autumn of 2019, which means under Lucien Favre against Schalke before they were relegated the first time, not the second time. And I mean, uh, if... if uh, If time is a flat circle and all that, then that means that Dortmund probably uh, play a goalless draw against Freiburg again, because I doubt it's going to be another 156 or however many games it was uh, from the last goalless draw. Yeah, it's uh, very unlikely. Uh, I think on ESPN, Kai Murray had the stat too uh, at, at halftime, uh, promising goals. And once I heard the stat because uh, it was some sort of re record setting stat uh, I knew this was definitely going to be a scoreless draw and if she commentators curse yeah yeah and if she cursed anyone it was Heidenheim that got cursed because I don't recall Dortmund uh, being anywhere near really scoring in the second half um, so thank you for that <laughs> save Dortmund a point Uh, and uh, yeah <laughs> with that uh, thank you Lars I, I think it was it was good to bring that up since uh, this uh, this uh, nice stat or not nice stat depending on how you want to look at it uh, famously or infamously now died um, since Dortmund had scoreless games just conceded so that's not a positive stat necessarily um, just an interesting one uh, so yeah <laughs> <sighs> Uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, as always, thank you for listening, Lars. Uh, thank you very much for lending your expertise. We shall be back with another episode next week between Freiburg and Wolfsburg. And then finally, uh, we will also eventually preview the Champions League match against Paisway Eindhoven. And uh, until then, have a good time. Goodbye.